Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Tonight, we are recording on March 27th, 2017. Now the My Ridiculous move across the country is over, we're officially back <laughs> kind of on a normal schedule. We meant to record last night, we didn't, but we're still getting another show out nonetheless. Maybe next week we'll start recording on Sundays regularly again. Uh, we'll, we'll see about it. Uh, in case you don't know who I am, my name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this show. As always, the gentleman who splits talking duties with me every week is Brad Galloway. He is the editor at GameCritics.com. Hello, Brad. How are you doing? Hey, Corey. I am... Man, it's been a day. It has been a day. Really tiring, really busy, but I'm doing good. I am uh, excited to be recording, as always, and I'm looking forward to tonight's show. Yay, me too. Um, well, I feel like uh, it's becoming pretty commonplace for us to do like a tiny bit of housekeeping at the beginning of every show, and tonight is uh, tonight's no exception. Uh, I just want to say real quick before we get started, um, last week's show, or the show on Thursday... And tonight's show, and maybe a little bit going forward, I just want to apologize for the little bit of echo that's on my audio track. I am recording in a new space, uh, totally different space than I have before, and the room I'm recording in now has, like, nothing on the walls. I'm pretty sure sooner or later I'm just going to grab a blanket and, like, pull it over my head and the microphone's head so it'll, like, dampen out all the echo. And I'm sure there's a way in editing that I could probably take the echo out, but I'm just too lazy to do that, like, in post-processing editing. So uh, sorry about the echo and my audio track, listeners. Um, if you don't like it, then just deal with it, I guess. Or um, I'll try to solve <laughs> it in the future. <laughs> That's not very nice. Just deal with it. I mean, you don't I'll like probably, it too bad. I need to get oh, some geez. of those big, like, high school band room, like, foam boards on the walls to, like, get the acoustics and the echo down in here. Um, we will. We will figure something out. We'll. We'll do the best we can for our faithful listeners. We will not subject their gentle ears to the harsh echoes of Nolans. So we will figure something out. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but I think that's about all the little bit of housekeeping stuff I have. Um, Brad, we haven't talked in like four days or so because we're recording pretty quick uh, back to back over the last week and this week. So what has been going on with you in these past few days? Man, um, really just the biggest thing that's going on right now is something that I have been talking about for a couple weeks and people who listen to the show will already know. My wife and I are um, very, very, very close to becoming foster parents. We've done all of our certifications. We've done all of our classes. We've passed all of our things we needed to pass. The only thing left is um, the house inspection, which is where a social worker from the state comes to your house and they check uh, for stuff. They check to make sure that you've got food in your refrigerator, that you don't have alcohol laying around, that you are um, like a safe environment for a kid to come in. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say that our house wasn't safe because I think it really was safe, but there's lots of things that you would not expect to do. Like you can't have any cords hanging down from your blinds because it's a choking hazard. You cannot have any medications um, anywhere in the house. You have to be locked up in a container that's locked. There's like all these little things that like, you know, they're, I mean, in general, they're not really hazards, but, you know, of course, somebody at some point must have died because it's a law, like a law now and no laws get, you know, made unless something happens. So um, there's just a whole bunch of hoops to jump through uh, and we're just we're, we're getting to the very end of the hoops. And then once this is done, that's it. That's it. We are officially foster parents. And from what the social worker tells us, 
we are going to be having a kid real soon. There's lots of kids in Washington State that really need homes right now. There's a really serious need. She said something like they need like three times more homes than are available, which is a lot of fucking homes. So that's what we've been doing. I've been working like crazy and getting trying to get the house in shape. And my wife is, you know, been working crazy as well. And we're just like busting ass trying to get it done. So that's basically the only thing that's been going on, except I will say today was unfortunately one of those days when you just have like a really shitty interaction with a coworker. I'm sure we've all had those. Corey, have you ever had a shitty interaction with a coworker ever? Oh yeah. Like several times. Okay. So yeah, today was one of those days. I pride myself on being a great person. Uh, really generally easy to get along with. I think I do a good job at my job. I don't think it's hot, tough to get along with me, but I just had a really unpleasant interaction with the person today. We just had a mutual misunderstanding about something that happened. And I, I had kind of copped to my part. I said, oh, you know, this is on me. I misunderstood what you said. And that person kind of wanted to call me out of the carpet for it. Like they were, they were wanting like more of an apology. Like they wanted me to kind of like, you know, kind of throw myself uh, at their feet and kind of like take the entire blame. And I was like, that's not really what happened. And that's not what's going to happen. And that's not necessary under any circumstance. And so I started pushing back a little bit and that person got flustered because I don't think they expected me to push back um, because I'm a nice guy and I don't usually push back on anything. But if you're an asshole to me, I will. And it just ended really, really poorly. So I don't like to have that happen at work. Don't like the way that feels. Don't think it's necessary. Wasn't necessary today. But that's what went down, and it's just shitty. So eh, I don't like to start my week on a shitty note. Hopefully it's going to get better since today's Monday. But we shall see. We shall see. Long story short, you had to come home and wash the blood off your hands, right, after that interaction? (laughs) Yeah, and they're never going to find that body, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) There's lots of good hiding places in Washington, let me tell you. Well, we'll save that for after the show. Oh, dear. uh, Anyway, anyway, that's that's my banter. What do you got, man? Well, um, as promised, as you held me up last week for, I have some food updates for you from New Orleans. I am beyond ready, sir. Hit me. All right. So I have, um, I have two. Um, the first one is I had a couple of uh, my good friends, a woman that I used to work with named Kim um, back when I lived in uh, Columbia, Missouri, when I was in college. Um, she and her husband, who is, whose name is Jason, I've talked about Jason like 15 times on the show. He's a He's a friend of the show, listener, um, one of my best guy friends. They actually, the funny thing was when I told them I was moving to New Orleans, they were like, oh, well, that's funny because we're actually going on a cruise at the end of the month and it's leaving out of the port in New Orleans. So maybe we can see you guys whenever we come down there. So they were able, I think it was three couples, um, them and two other couples came down in a van. They drove all the way from Missouri on a on Saturday night and got here Sunday morning because their uh, their ship, their cruise ship was taking off on Sunday afternoon. And so Patrick and I met with Kim and Jason and we just kind of walked them around. Like we don't really know the city that well because we've only been here for like two weeks, but we walked them around a little bit of the parts that we knew downtown on the French Quarter and on Bourbon Street. And, um, and uh, the first food item that I tried that sort of like, I guess New Orleans is kind of known for is uh, were beignets. Do you know what beignets are, Brad? I do. And were they so delicious? They were just okay. I mean, oh no! I know. What? I'm sorry. Oh no! 
I mean, for so, for somebody who doesn't know what beignets are, um, just so I can explain, because I didn't, I mean, I don't know if a beignet is like, is it a thing that like everybody knows what that is, Brad? Do you know? No, it is not. It's definitely like a Southern kind of a French thing. I only know, be- well, I mean, I, I've heard of it because I, you know, I, I know about food and stuff, but there is actually a, a couple of beignet stores up here for the frou-frou uh, people. And I've gone to one of those one time. So they were pretty good. But what, what happened with your beignets? Were they soggy? Were they cold? What happened? <laughs> well, I don't think there was anything wrong with them. I just think that they were... Just not that great because for anybody listening who doesn't know what a beignet is, it's essentially, it's kind of like if you took a funnel cake and like made it into sort of like a croissant, it's like a fluffy bread-like pastry with like powdered sugar all over it that's sweet. And I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with that, but it was just like a pastry with powdered sugar. Like I, I know that's what it is, but I was just like, wow, this is it. Like this is what people are excited for i mean i would rather have like a funnel cake or something but um i mean it wasn't bad by any means but i wouldn't like we went to a place called cafe beignet in the french quarter which is kind of famous and i mean we stood in line for like 20 minutes to get some beignets and i was like i would never stand in line this long for these again i mean they weren't bad but it's just like it's kind of like a croissant with powdered sugar on it kind of um have you had one before brad yeah, I've had a couple. And to be fair, I mean, there are very few foods I would stand in line for 20 minutes because I, I fucking can't stand standing in line. So I don't blame <laughs> you for not wanting to stand in line. But I mean, I had them and the ones I had were pretty good. I mean, uh, I, I, I kind of think that they maybe were, were not as authentic as you would get down there, but they were good. I'm disappointed. Were they warm? Like, were they fresh when you oh, got yeah, yours? Oh, yeah, totally fresh. Like, I, the funny thing was I pulled it out of the bag because they come in orders of three when you order a set. And I, like, pulled one out of the bag, and it was so hot, I had to, like, drop it back in the bag. And then I couldn't, like, blow on it because then the powdered sugar would blow <laughs> all over the sidewalk. And I ended up with quite a bit of powdered sugar running down my shirt because anytime I eat, I eat, like, a seven-year-old. So it was it was not a good sight. I mean, they weren't bad. It was just, like... For, for it to be, like, a thing down here, I ate one, and I was like, oh, this is it? Like, okay. I'd rather have, like, a donut, to be honest with you. Oh, man. Okay, so kind of a whiff on that one. Did you try anything else? Uh, I went to a place called Parkway um, Bakery and Tavern or something. I should know the whole name of this. I think it's a pretty famous place. Um, allegedly, Barack Obama has given it his seal of approval, Um but it is a little, uh, like a po'boy place down here. And I had never had a po'boy before. Uh, at least I don't think so before moving down here. And I got um, a fried catfish po'boy because I love catfish. Ooh, and for okay. listeners who don't know what a po'boy is, it's kind of like a sub sandwich with like flaky bread. And usually it's like seafood inside of it, but they have like all different kinds of po'boys. Like they have like roast beef po'boys and they have catfish and they have crawfish and they have shrimp and they have, um, I don't know. It's kind of like just one of those foods you can just kind of insert whatever you want into it. Um, Brad, I'm sure you've had po'boys before, haven't you? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's almost kind of like a Southern version of like a Vietnamese banh mi sort of where it's just like a very easily available common food that you get like you know like there's a cart on the street or a little shop you pick one up and go on your way i mean it's not it's not like fancy eating but it's like you know it's supposed to be really good it's just kind of something you grub on you know when you uh, are in the mood is it was it good yeah it was actually really good um i liked it and the cool thing about it too is they had like a little kind of like a sauce bar that had like like tartar sauce and like kind of like a spicy tartar sauce and stuff so you could kind of like top it however you wanted and um and, like, you're supposed to put, like, I squeeze, like, hot sauce all over mine because that's a thing, too. But um, the thing that I didn't like, much like Cafe Beignet, is I stood in line for about 30 minutes to get 
this. Oh, God. Yeah. No, you should never stand in line for a po' boy. Like, never. I, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with... I don't know if this is like a New Orleans thing or if I just happen to be going to a bunch of places that are like this, but there's a, a like a deli-style um, restaurant thing that I keep like finding these restaurants and going to them down here where all you do is you walk in and you stand in line for fucking forever to order your food, and then they call your name, you pick up the food, and then you go find a table or whatever. Like, I would be okay with waiting 30 minutes if I got to walk in and sit down at a table and order and get a drink first and then, you know, take a food order and then get the food later. I don't like going to a place and standing in line for half an hour to get, like, food that's not even that fancy. Because a po'boy, like you said, it's like, I mean, po'boy is short for poor boy. It's like a, it was like strike food back in the day, like in factory working. Um, So it's like not fancy in any way, shape or form. Uh. Yeah, so I would. I am not a fan of standing in line that long to get food like that. But at least the po' boy was really good. I mean, I ate it in about two minutes flat. It was delicious. But I'm sure I could find equally as good po' boys probably at places where I wouldn't have to stand in line as long down here. I hope. Yeah, you know, no, I don't advocate standing in line. For, there's very few things I ever think are worth standing in line for. I mean, there's just there's always some other place to go. There's always some other place. That's just as good or, or different, but in a good, you know, but also good or, you know, I don't like standing in line. And around here in my neighborhood, it's gotten really pretentious and uh, just really just really hipster and stuff. So we don't even we don't even eat around our neighborhood anymore. We go out and we don't we don't stand in line for anything. So anything anytime you got to stand in line, it just makes that food taste worse, dude. I know some people maybe think that adds to the atmosphere because, oh, you're in a cool place. You're being seen and it's so hip and cool. But I'm like, fuck that. Like, there's just there's a billion other restaurants, no matter what city you're in. You don't you should not have to stand in line. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel, um, I feel that way too. Like, it's almost like, you know, like, like you're saying, like standing in line, it makes the, it makes it the food better because you kind of have to wait for it. But I feel like I agree with you. Like it just makes it worse because then when you eat it, if it's even like, even if it's good, you have to think, well, is it good enough for me to stand in line for half an hour for this again? Or would I rather go somewhere else completely? I just get angry, dude. Like I'm just, I'm pissed. I don't want to be, you know, I'm usually hungry. I don't want to wait a half an hour to get some fucking food standing in line and shit. It's like, you know, we've got this biscuit place down the street from us. Genuinely really good biscuits. Like they get, have all kinds of fancy biscuits, all sorts of toppings. And if you go on a Sunday, there's like 42 people in line. And I'm like, fuck that. I've been to that place. It's good biscuits. It's not worth standing in line for half an hour. But if you come back on a Thursday when no one's in line, sure, it's fine. I'll drop five bucks, get a biscuit, whatever. It's good. But not, I'm not going to wait in line. I don't, I don't wait in line anywhere. So I, I don't fault you for like being kind of uh, disgruntled at that find some other place man find some place where there's nobody in line and i bet you know you do a little experimentation you'll find a good place that is you know maybe less traveled less busy and you'll you'll develop your own little spots you like to go to well the good news is there is no shortage of a restaurants and b places to get po'boys here so i'm just gonna have to go on like a po'boy tour of new orleans over the next like six months and try to find the best places that i don't have to stand in line for 30 minutes for that sounds fucking good. And do that research because when we come out to visit you, I want to go on that same tour, bro. I'm just going to take you to all the places where I had to stand in line the longest. Ah, bastard. <laughs> bastard. <laughs> well, I do have one more thing I wanted to mention. I'll try to make this quick. I feel like my banter is like going to be half the show today. Um, I, I know I've talked on the show about a million times about how I photograph parkour. Well, a week, about a week or two before moving out here, I found the parkour group for... Uh, on Facebook for uh, New Orleans. Have we talked about this at all, Brad? Yeah, you mentioned it, I think, on the last show briefly. Uh huh. Okay. Um, well, I linked up with them and was able to photograph some of the guys on Friday morning. I went out with them. I went out with a guy named Peyton and Spencer and Dakota. And Peyton has, like, lived wow. here. Wow. 
Those are three names. Wow. They are three Peyton, names. Peyton, Spencer, and Dakota. What the fuck? What? What's those wrong are, those are those those are unusual names. Those are very like or those must be like nineties names. How old are these guys? Uh Peyton's like twenty two, Dakota's eighteen. Uh I don't know how old Spencer is, but Spencer's from New Zealand, so I don't know if that makes a difference. Oh man, yeah, because sometimes names go in like clusters. Like, you know, for a certain period of time. Every girl on in America was named Jennifer. Like that was just like the most common name, and so like you can kind of tell when someone's named a certain thing. You're like, oh, are you from X? You know, whatever generation. And boy, those three names. Ah, oh, those are those are definitely like newer, newer. Definitely not in my generation. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Probably not from yours either. <laughs> well, I photographed them, and uh, I had a really good time out with them the other day. And uh, but the funny thing, or maybe this isn't really that funny at all. Um, Two of the guys, Spencer and Peyton, were planning this kind of like, there's a a big like Superdome here called the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, and it's where like a bunch of concerts and stuff happen. And they wanted to plan this nice parkour trick where they would like climb down, um, I'm going to say the roof, but it's not like the roof roof. There's like different levels to it, and there's like a parking garage area, and there's like kind of like a roof that leads down to it. And they wanted to get on the balcony and then jump down these two levels of the roof down to the street level. And, you know, it's kind of a risky thing to do, but Peyton had done it before. And, you know, of course, it's not like something that you should be doing. And uh, Dakota and I were off on a bridge photographing them. I took uh, a series of still shots and Dakota was taking video of them doing it. And everything was all clear. Everything seemed fine. Well, Dakota drops first onto the street level. Um, Like nobody got hurt or anything. And he drops down and a woman happened to walk down from the balcony, like probably about 10 feet away from him and he kind of dropped down in front of her and she was very surprised because you know it's not every day that somebody comes you know dropping down from the roof in front of you whenever you're walking out of a out of a superdome and then yeah so that was enough to alarm her and then spencer drops down right after him right next to her and she was pretty alarmed by the fact that two dudes were just dropping down from the ceiling and then running off so of course what does she do she like starts like trying to get any staff that she can over there to see her and, you know, to try to figure out what was going on, because, you know, who knows, those guys could have been thieves, they could have been whatever. And then, you know, of course, they see me and Dakota up on the bridge far away taking pictures. So we, like, get down and try to get the camera equipment together, because I had to, uh, to demolish the tripod and everything. And then we link up with them. Everything seems fine. Um, you know, no security came out to grab us or anything. And so, of course, the dumbasses that we are, we decide to stay on the Superdome property for a little while because they want to do some more tricks in some different areas, like in another parking garage area. Well, it was only a matter of about 20 minutes before a security guard drives over with his little club car and, like, got onto us very heavily and, like, threatened to arrest us and told us like he I I don't know how much of it is true because I don't know what like the state laws are here about like who you can arrest on private property and stuff um because it you know goes by state and all that stuff but um he was all like threatening to like uh like lock us up in jail and and how we'd be there all weekend because it was a Friday and all this crap I think he was just trying to scare us but um he let us go but not after talking to us for about 45 minutes which was kind of annoying And then we left, so, uh, like, that was kind of a wild first experience with the New Orleans parkour guys, like, because I, I mean, I've been doing parkour for a long time, and I've been photographing it for a long time, but I'm always the big baby in the group, like, whenever I did parkour in college, I would never, like, climb on top of buildings or go in areas that I knew were trespassing, like, I was always the big wuss that I would just, like, sit out on the sidewalk while other people went, and I still kind of feel that way today, so I've never been in a situation like that, so it was my first run-in with, like, real security who could have like you know 
held us or something at that point. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a wild first start with them. Starting off with a bang. I'm going to be bailing you out before I know it. Yeah, I, like, was in the middle of talking to him, and I, like, bent down to get my, to put my camera in my bag, and I t- sent a quick text to Patrick, and I was like, um, I might be going to jail, like, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> if my phone rings at 2 a.m., I know it's you, and I'm sorry to say you're, like, a couple thousand miles away, so I'll get there when I can, but, you know, <laughs> hang tight. I wonder if they'll let me podcast from jail. Uh, maybe. That might be an interesting show to conduct. We'll see. We'll uh, keep it in mind. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna try to stay out of jail as much as possible, but, um... I just thought that was something worth noting. Those are my um, my eating experiences and my uh, intense parkour photography experience so far in my two weeks that I've been in New Orleans. Can't say it ain't boring. That's true. Um, well, that's enough. I've talked for like a bajillion years about shit that people probably don't even want to hear about. So I know, Brad, um, last week you said that you had started playing Deadlight Director's Cut. Um, have you played more? Give me an update. How is it? Yeah, I started playing Deadlight Director's Cut on PS4 when I was going through my um, deletion frenzy. Anybody who caught last episode will have heard the story on that. Um, but it was good enough to, to to pull me out of my frenzy, calm me down. It was a pretty, pretty good gameplay, and I, I clicked right into it. Um, just a really quick recap. Um, this is put out by... It's made by Tequila, Tequila Works. I think they're a really small studio from Spain. And it's basically a 2D platformer with a little bit of puzzling and it's set in a zombie apocalypse in seattle which is weird because i live in seattle and although a little bit of it looked like seattle a lot of it really didn't but that's okay they're from spain they don't know what seattle looks like that's fine um so basically it's kind of like an old school prince of persia or like uh inside or like a limbo kind of a you know like one of those type of games 2d running your character has some momentum um lots of little puzzles pop up and you're just kind of like You start off and you're with a band of friends and you get separated because the zombies uh, converge on your your location. You kind of get split up. And so your your goal is you want to meet back up with your friends and eventually you want to uh, find your wife and daughter. So you're kind of just going through these levels. At first, it's like a wreck city. Later on, there's like a little underground part. Um, You meet a crazy guy and he kind of like puts you through some tests. Then you get to like a military base because there are some survivors. And of course, they're like total assholes because, you know, only assholes survive in the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) So you go through and I mean, it's pretty. It's tough to talk about this game because it's like I've just explained the entire game. And I think probably most people who have been playing games for a while and who are probably listening to our podcast, because I don't think why would you be listening to our podcast if you weren't familiar with games? Um, I think they probably have a good idea of what to expect from this. And I think it's really well done, but it's like there's nothing really to like say you know like it's like it's a 2d zombie apocalypse survival game and you do some puzzle platforming it's great and it was it was great like i thought it was really well done pacing was really good uh the graphics were actually surprisingly really good i thought they were um every 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 time he'd get to like a big cityscape or something even though the game was only 2d they would do a lot of like deep backgrounds where you could see like a ways into the distance and like zombies are like tearing up buildings or you know there's like a lot of parked cars on an abandoned freeway or something and it always looked really good. Like, I thought it just was very well produced. Like, I, I thought it was very nice. Um, interesting side note, though. I did So I did finish it. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I finished it. And it was great. It was great all the way through. I really recommend it. I think it's wonderful. Um, much, much better than I expected because I did not hear a lot about it when it came out. Like, I heard a couple people say, no, it was okay. But that was it. And then it just, like, disappeared. And I didn't hear anything else. So I thought, well, 
probably not that great, but it's really good. I think it did not get the uh, praise it deserved, and uh, I would recommend it for sure. But interesting thing, uh, my son, uh, who lives with me, who's eight, he is very into zombies, like super into zombies. But he's he's got this weird relationship with zombies where he's really fascinated by them, and he wants to like watch them and learn about them, and you know they're like a thing for him. But he's he's too scared of them to really like you know, to like look at the gory stuff or to be, he doesn't want to be frightened by them. Like he wants to look at them in like a neutral way or like to kind of study them, but not to be chased by them or not to be in like a really suspenseful situation. So like if, like, for example, like if I Google like zombies or something, like he'll, he'll look at pictures on Google and that's fine. No problem. But then when I would play like uh, one of those crappy runaway from zombies game on my iPhone, like it was way too stressful. So there's a very fine line for him, although he's definitely a zombie fan. Um, now he started watching me play this and he was like, Oh, this is okay. I want to watch this. And I watched him and he was fine. He was not scared, not put off by it. So we went through the entire game. I told him I wouldn't play unless he was sitting with me. So like it took me a couple, probably a little longer than it would have taken otherwise. Uh, cause it's a short game, but we sat through the entire thing and he was just gripped the whole way. Like he really wanted to know what was going to happen. Was my guy going to escape? What's going on? And that whole thing. We get to the end of the game, and I'm not going to spoil it, so don't be worried. But I will say that I did not expect the ending. And I don't think he expected the ending either. It got a little bit dark. And he just, like, totally, like, had this, like, really negative reaction to it. So I felt super bad. Um, you know, we had watched, like, the entire four or five hours beforehand. No problem. He thought it was fun. Very excited. Really into it. And it just took that one cutscene going dark, and he just was like, oh, I hate this game. This game sucks. I don't like this. Why did you let me watch this? This is not appropriate. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> my, son, my son is schooling me on what I'm showing him on in my video game library. Okay, that's fine. So that was kind of a sour way to end the experience. But overall, um, if you take out the part about where I horrifically traumatized my son, I thought it was a great game. I really liked it a lot, and I've got nothing uh, but good things to say about it. I mean... The only the only one uh, complaint I might lodge against it was that when you're climbing walls, like you can jump on a fence and climb over fences. For some reason, your guy just really wants to like jump on a fence and he'll hop over to the other side, like you're like you're you know like you're trying to get past his fence. And instead of dropping down, he'll like flip back over. So like you climb up, you jump over the fence, and then he jumps back over, and you're like, no, no, go back. And then he goes back over, and you want to jump down, and then he goes back over. It doesn't happen a lot, and it's probably just, um, you know, a slip of my thumb or something, but I thought that was a little bit sticky. Otherwise, great game, and I just, I thought it was a really good time. So if you are a zombie fan, if you're a fan of those 2D action games, um, or if you just see it on sale and you just are in the mood for something that you can finish in a weekend, I loved it. I thought it was great. Perfect bite-sized entertainment. Really well done. And I hear that Tequila Works is coming out with another game very, very soon. Like, I think next month or the month after. Total change of pace. It's called Rhyme. I think it's called Rhyme. R-I-M-E. And I think it's more of like a Zelda-type adventure kind of thing. But these guys had Deadlight really dialed in. I really like what they were doing. And if they carry that same sensibility to Rhyme, that should be one to watch out for, too. So definitely uh, looking forward to that. So yeah, good times, good times. Did you uh, did you play Deadlight, Corey? Did we talk about this? Did you have you played it? No, we we didn't talk about it. But I was going to ask you because um, I I feel like I've heard of this game, but I also feel like because it's a zombie game, I probably get it confused with like fifty other games because that's like half of all video games are zombie games. But this this game sounds incredibly up my alley because I love games like Inside and Limbo. I love games like Shadow Complex and like old 
you know, Castlevanias and maybe I haven't played a lot of Metroids, but what little I've played, I've liked. And this sounds like, like zombie tropes aside, this sounds super up my alley. Do you think I would like this game? If you like those other games you just mentioned, I 100% think you would like this game. Yes. It's not as puzzle rich. Like, I think the puzzles are more just like a way to kind of break up the platforming, but it moves so quick. And like, there's just, there's no fat to it. Like, there's no point at which you're bored. There's no point where you're like, move on. You know, like you're just, you're going through and you're going through and things happen. There's a little bit of combat, but not much. Usually you're just avoiding zombies and you're just... You're just going through it. Just it's just a fun ride. It's just a really fun ride. If that sounds appealing to you, I say go for it. I I enjoyed the hell out of it. And if you like those other games, I think it would be right up your alley. Shadow Complex. That's a good a good comparison. Yeah, I feel like um, I don't know. I need to like keep my ears perked up for this game. Maybe if it goes on sale or something, I'll definitely pick it up because it sounds like something I would really like. And I'm glad you played it because it has blended into the gray mass of zombie games that exist. And now uh, I know that it might be one that's actually up my alley. Yeah, I remember it just, like I said, like it didn't get much um, praise, not much chatter when it came out. And I think at the time there probably were a couple other zombie games, so maybe it did get lost in the shuffle. Um, but it's definitely worth tracking down. And since the original version came out, I think in 2015, Director's Cut came out in 2016. Yeah, I mean, I, I cannot imagine you couldn't find it for cheap, cheap, cheap right now. I mean, I, I think you could probably find it for real cheap. Um, PS4 version was great, ran great, no problems. Performance was fine. Had a great time playing it on the PS4 controller. I think it's probably on Steam as well, and it's probably on Xbox One, I would imagine. So track it down. It's a good time. Yeah, I'll look for it. I'll make sure to look for it on PS4, probably like right after the podcast. And, um, you know, I wish, speaking of this, I don't think the PlayStation 4 has this, but I wish um, PSN had a thing like a wish list like you can do on Steam. Because I, I don't play games on Steam, but like years and years and years ago, I put like, the Fallout 3 Game of the Year edition on my Steam wish list. Um, and like every six months, I get an email that's like, one of your wish list games is on sale. And I'm like, oh, Fallout 3 is on sale, even though I'm never going to buy it on PC. But I wish that PlayStation Network had that so I could put a game like that on the wish list and then get like a little email or get like a notification when I turn the console on to say, like, oh, there's a flash sale and this game that you have is on sale. Because that's definitely a game I would buy on sale, but maybe would not pay full price for, depending on how expensive it is, full price. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, Corey Motley. Oh, dear. Are you going to tell me that everything I just wished for is actually a real thing? Well, I guess I would need the full list. Do you have the full list of everything you've ever wished for? Oh, no. I just mean on the PSN wish list thing. Oh, yeah. There is a wish list. Oh. There is a wish list you can do. How did I um, unfortunately, that? Unfortunately, there's a catch, though. The catch is that it's only available if you go to the PSN store online I on knew your you computer. were going to say that. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah. It is bullshit. It's stupid, and I really want it to be on the PS4. But I will say it's a really handy feature, and I do go check online uh, because that way I can scan the PS4, the PS3, and the Vita for everything that's on sale. Plus, I can get all the other sales. Plus, I can use the wish list. It's really easy and convenient. Like once you start to get in the habit of it, I just jump on every Tuesday once the store refreshes, and I've got a wish list with like forty or fifty things on it. And I just, you can just click the wish list, and it tells you immediately if that stuff is on sale. It doesn't email you. But all you got to do is click your wish list and it'll tell you like the regular price. And if it's on sale, there's usually like a big highlighted thing saying sale or the discounted price. And you can just see at a glance whether that stuff is uh, is ripe for buying or not. So it does exist. It's not perfect, but it does exist. I will definitely have to look that up because I have no qualms with um, logging into PSN on my computer as long as I can remember my stupid password. But uh, yeah, I'll have to look at that. 
Yeah, go for it. I, I think it's a great feature. I wish it was on PS4. I don't know why it's not, but it is online, so you can at least do it there. Well, well, I will uh, have to look into that. Do you have any extra special ending things to say about Deadlight before we move on? You know, as a matter of fact, I do. Oh, um, cool. I will say the ending was, uh, for me, dark. For my son, like, horrifically dark. Uh, and there was, uh, so I, I went through that and I, I felt kind of bummed about that. And I, I jumped online to see if there was a second ending. And there actually was. There's a different ending if you play the game in hardcore mode, which only unlocks after you beat it the first time. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to play in hardcore mode because whatever, fuck that. I got other stuff to do. But I watched it on YouTube and I will say that the hardcore mode ending is even darker. So I was like, oh no, these guys do not like their happy endings. So anyway. That's uh, like even extra good for me because we're talking about I'm the guy who enjoyed the Candleman ending. So maybe I really, really, really should play this game. I think you should check it into it. I mean, check into it. I think I think you would like the gameplay. I, I think it's going to end well for you. If you want to go through hardcore mode, I bet you'll even like that darker ending. So it's good stuff. And just as an FYI to everybody, what the director's cut adds is a bunch of extra material. Um, there's a new mode. There is a lot of like supporting artwork and making of. There's some videos, um, all that kind of stuff. So like the core game isn't really uh, that different from the original non-director's cut version, but you do get some extras. So there you go. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. So, Corey, what do you got, man? I just talked for like a, a million hours there. What do you got? You're, uh, what have you been playing? What have you been finishing? What do you, what do you got to share with our listeners? What do you have? Well, I have, much like you, I have an update on a game that I've been playing. I know last week I talked about the game Kona, which I am currently playing for review for Game Critics. Um, I actually finished it last night. Um, so uh, let me talk about that for a minute. Um, Kona, in case you uh, don't remember, is a first-person it's kind of like a first-person narrative-heavy adventure game where you play as a private detective named Carl Faubert in northern Canada, snowy northern Canada. He gets hired by a guy named William Hamilton, who is like a tycoon in the area who's been buying up property. And he has some of his properties have been getting vandalized, so he hires you to go up north to basically just investigate the vandalisms and kind of serve as like, uh, like a private aid, like right-hand man. And you get up there, everything seems normal until you get in a uh, car accident pretty early in the game. And then it turns out that not everything in this northern Canadian town is as it seems. And I was really on board with it when I was playing, and I actually still am. I think it's a great game. But uh, the thing that I really like about it, and I think I might, I don't know if I talked about this last time, but um, this game is essentially like a looking through people's shit simulator. Did I say that last time, Brad? I don't think you said that, but I'm kind of losing interest, so you got to perk it back up oh, for me. damn it. Well, it's like, it's kind of like, like, because, you know, I love the Deus Ex games, and one thing that I love about Deus Ex is when you just can, like, go look through people's offices and, like, hack their computers and read their emails and just, like, snoop around. And this game is kind of full of that. It's like, once you get in the car accident, kind of like the whole little town opens up to you, and the town's not, it's not that big. There's maybe, like, 10 houses spread out over like X amount of square miles or something and like some cabins and some uh, a couple caves and some stuff like that. And it's one of those games where like, it's like in a video game, if I'm heading down a linear path of whatever I'm supposed to be doing, if I see the path that I think is the way I'm supposed to go and I see a branching path that I think is not the way I'm supposed to go, I always take the branching path first because I want to see what extra shit is down the other paths. I don't want to just jump straight to the end of the game. And this game is totally like that. Like I discovered last night that if you take the car, because there's driving in it, 
if you take the car straight from the car wreck and you drive to like where you think you're supposed to go at the end of the game, it kind of like walls you off and says like, oh, well, here's some things that you need to do. Well, I didn't go to that ending segment until almost the very end of the game yesterday. So it actually gave me like a big sense of freedom. Like I was exploring all these houses and looking through people's stuff and reading all these documents and like collecting evidence about all the people that live in the town and what they had done and their occupations. And it kind of um, has a vibe where there's like, stuff going on that you feel like the whole town is trying to like cover up and you're sort of like getting to the bottom of everything and collecting all the evidence and all the insights of what everybody knows. And it's just like a big kind of like town wide murder mystery kind of thing. And I was like super duper into it. But uh, I have to say I got to the end last night and the ending was not great. I'm not going to say why or get into it because I don't want to spoil it. But it was just one of those games where I was like super on board with it. Like it's not an action game. It's not like, you know, a chase things are chasing you game or anything. It's just like a slow burn detective sort of like explore stuff at your own pace and uncover interesting shit, um, like on your own game. And I was totally on board with it, but the ending sequence is kind of not that. And I was a little bit disappointed by how it wrapped up, but overall I think it's, pretty excellent um please tell me it's not a bunch of qtes at the very end oh no 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 it's definitely not that okay all right that's fine so you just didn't like the mechanics were okay you just didn't like the tone or whatever like whatever the content was but the mechanics still were okay uh it's a little bit mechanics were a little bit bad but it's not like they didn't throw qtes or anything but um it just like kind of forces you to do some stuff that you have not really been practicing for the entire game because the rest of the game doesn't really call for it and then all of a sudden you kind of have to do those things and you're not really that familiar with how to do them. And time is very urgent at the uh, end of the situation. So it, it didn't go over very well, but it also wasn't like, I wasn't like throwing the controller or like frustrated or anything, but it just kind of like, it was like slightly left fieldish, but um, it, it didn't sour my entire experience of the game, fortunately. But I just feel like it kind of feels like they wrapped up the game quickly to kind of like, Maybe they were like running out of development time or something because I didn't realize until I finished the game. But this was like a Kickstarter game that got like overfunded, so um, it was like full on Kickstarter. The development team is like seven people, which I can't believe that seven people made this game because it feels like a lot more than that. But um, the ending just was not satisfactory for me. I will say that's a bummer. I really hate when a game just kind of ends on a sour note. That's that's a real shame, but. At least the rest of it was good. I mean, I guess, I mean, would you still say it was a, a recommend to people who like looking through other people's stuff, which I <laughs> detest, by the way. Like, I was actually excited for this game when you talked about it last week. But now that you've described it as, like, basically, like, busybody the game, like, I'm like, oh, God, I'm not going to play this. I don't like to I don't like to read files. I don't like to look through people's shit. I don't like to listen to audio recordings. None of that stuff. I don't want to do none of that. So I'm going to cross this off my list. But for those who do enjoy it, Still good, even though the ending was kind of a bummer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I actually would highly recommend this game. And the nice thing about the file reading and stuff, too, is that it's not its not like a gone home where all you do is walk through the game and collect audio logs. I mean, there's a lot of text documents that you find, but the cool thing, and something I forgot to mention this time, but I did talk about it last time, is that Carl, is, there's like a guy that's constantly kind of narrating stuff that's going on in the environment. So the cool thing is like, if you pick up a file... Like, even if you don't read it word for word, and I'm one of those guys who, when I, unless I'm super, super, super duper interested in the game, I'll pick up a file and read, like, the first two sentences and then close it. That's usually how I handle files in games. He will give you, like, a little kind of narration summary of what the file said, so it, you don't have to, like, 
it's not like a, a five minute audio log that you're listening to and you don't have to spend like 10 minutes reading everything. You can just open it, skim it, listen to his little like, oh, and then this happened and Carl thought about this or whatever, and then kind of move on. So it's definitely not, you know, full on you picking up files and that kind of stuff. But I mean, if what I've explained does not sound intriguing, if if playing through a very slow paced like private investigation murder story by like collecting evidence of people's houses and like trying to connect dots between what you learn oh, about God. people. Stop. You're putting me to sleep. Stop. Yeah, I, Stop. I, I don't know why I loved it. And it's, this does not seem like the kind of game that I would like. Like I'm surprised at how much I liked it, but I mean, I totally get that. It's not like it, it doesn't have like a big sense of urgency. It just has a good enough sense of mystery to overcome that. I think. I mean, I guess there's like a chance I'd like it, but man, I don't know. I'm gonna, nah, nah. I mean, you don't. The only have, other question. Okay, I won't. Um, <laughs> but the other question I have is, how many times do people say "a" during that? If it's set in Canada, I mean, that's how you know it's a Canadian game, right? Ah, uh, there. Let me think about this. I don't think anybody says it, but whenever I finish the game, I looked at the achievement list or the trophy list because I I never look at trophy list before I play the game. I always look at it after I finish it the first time, and um. There was one trophy that cracked me up because you take like, there's like a general store that you go into the first time and you have to take, you have to find like a bottle of wine in it for a thing later on down the, down the game. And you can, I guess you can open up the cash register and put money in the register, even though nobody's in the general store. It's like a deserted city. And there's like a trophy linked to it. That's like something about like, oh, like, like a true Canadian or something. Cause you like take the wine and you put the money in the cash register, even though nobody's around. And I thought that was really funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Is there maple syrup? Lots of maple syrup? Uh, no, there's a lot of cereal boxes. I don't recall seeing any maple syrup. Uh, well, I guess it's not a real Canadian game then. Fail. <laughs> Whatever. All right, well, that sounds good to other people. It doesn't sound good to me, but I'm going to trust you that it was good, and I'm just going to take it your word, and we're going to move on. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, let's All right. Let's talk about what do you, what do you have left? What do you want to talk about? I have a, a real quick couple of words on, God, believe it or not, an iOS game. Oh, I, I got two things. This is one thing I'll say for the end, but um, I just played a new game called Card Thief on iOS, which is weird because usually the only thing I, I play on iOS is uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest. Uh, but I saw some people in my timeline talking about this, a very brief kind of bubble of chatter about this game, which is unusual uh, because I just, I can't remember the last thing that came across on iOS or specifically for phones that got people excited or that got people talking about it. And I saw a number of people that I, I, I follow who were like, oh yeah, Card Thief is pretty dope. You should check it out. So I did. Um, it's not free to play. It's $2, which I thought was a pretty reasonable price for, you know, something of this quality. I mean, the artwork is really good and it seems to be bug free and you get the whole game. I mean, I'm really up for games where you get the whole thing and don't have to do fucking microtransactions. So that was a plus. Decided to risk my two bucks and skip my uh, cup of coffee that day or whatever. But basically, it's it's like, I don't want to describe it as solitaire because I don't think that's right. But it's a, it's a card game where you lay out, oh, is it nine or 12? Like nine or 12 cards on your phone. And then you play as a thief. So it's like a stealth game. But you're also cards, and I know this sounds weird, but you have a certain number score on your thief, and every time you do an action, it detracts from your score, so it's kind of a balancing act between 
not doing enough things to save enough scores so that you can do something later, or doing things so that you can kind of take some of those cards off the board and get new cards. Um, like, you know, the, the AI will deal out some cards, and it'll be like, there'll be like a treasure chest, um, a light that you can douse, there'll be a door to walk through, or there'll be like a couple guards, and the guards look in a particular direction. If you um, move your, your thief around the board a certain way, you can like pickpocket them, or if you move the wrong way, like you'll get caught. And it's basically just like a really simple kind of like addition subtraction game where you kind of have to keep in mind what's on the board and then like it's like risk reward of like how how much can I do without being too low on stealth points that I'm going to get caught the next turn. And there are other little mechanics to it. There's um, unlocks you can get that'll give you like new gear. There are some treasure chests you can unlock to give you some new stuff. And it's, it's pretty straightforward. I, I will say the tutorial I didn't think was great. I mean, there is a pretty good tutorial, but there were a few points which I was a little bit confused on, and I kind of had to just figure it out just by trial and error. But not a big problem. Not a big problem. Uh, and also, it's pretty roguelike-ish in the sense that sometimes when you're going through um, a match or a round, I guess, uh, sometimes it is possible to just run out of points and you just can't finish. Or sometimes you will kind of misplay your hand and you just will just not be able to complete it. So if you get to that end state, that fail state, you just have to kind of pack it in and try again. But I mean, I think if you finish, uh, there's four different levels, uh, and I've only f completed the first level. But when you do a good run, it only takes you like maybe, I don't know, three minutes, five minutes to do a complete run, and then you're kind of done. So it's it's pretty quick. Jump in, jump out, and once you know what the rules are, you can you can get through it pretty quickly, and it's it's pretty fun. It's satisfying because it makes you think about what you're doing, but it's not too it's not too deep that you can't step away from it and come back. Like I think some of the problem with some of these iOS games that I've played over the course of, of playing iOS games is sometimes they just they're so deep that they're not really suitable for when you're standing in line at the grocery store or when you're like at the office and you got five minutes. Like I really want like those in and out quick experiences on my phone. And when I want something bigger, I'll be at home on my console. So any game that goes too deep, I find if you can't just click it off and come back to it and pick right back up, then it's probably too deep. But this one is a very good balance between strategic, but also, you know, pick up and put down. No problem. You can put it down, come back to it. You remember right where you are. You don't forget anything. There's not really any story. So you don't have to remember the story. It's just about the mechanics, but it's really well done. The art looks good. Uh, I think it's uh, it controls really easily, and it's just really nice package. It's been quite a while since I've been... Oh God, since I've played anything on iOS that I thought was worth a damn. But this one is definitely good times. I would recommend it for two bucks for sure. Um, it's more of a card game than a stealth game, but there still is some stealth elements. So, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to people who are looking for, like, Metal Gear Solid on their phone or Splinter Cell or something, because it's not, it's not like that, but... The stealth consideration is is married pretty nicely to the conceit of being cards. So if you want something where it's kind of like solitaire, sort of, but not really, and you want to just uh, have a little bit more flavor to it, it's it's thumbs up. It's thumbs up. By any chance, have you heard of, of Card Thief? It was when it was making the rounds like last week? I don't think I've heard of this game. Also, it sounds dumb. And in true Corey Motley fashion, I'm going to tell you i'm gonna name off the two games that i think this sounds like if they had a love child which it's probably not gonna be close but um are, are you ready for this i'm ready i'm ready this sounds to me like if mark of the ninja and metal gear acid had a love child this would be it that would be actually a badass game if that actually was a game uh it's not as complicated as that it's w like same 
basic idea, but like way simpler than that. Not as complicated as Mark of the Ninja. Totally not as complicated as Metal Gear Acid. But damn, I want that game now. Like that sounds like a really good game to me. And I'm sad that it's not existing. Damn you, Corey Miley. Sorry. That game is, oh, that sucks. So. <laughs> anyway, I will pine for that game, which does not exist uh, later on tonight. But no, it's not as simple. It's not as complex. It's much more simple than that. Very pick up and go. But it's good times. Good times. Good. Is it one of those games where like, because like the um, the Hitman Go and Deus Ex Go games, they do this. Is it one of those games where like you can be in the middle of like a match or a round or whatever and you still have move le- moves left, but you realize that you've like fucked yourself into a hole and you like just have to use your moves to just die or whatever. Is it one of those games? Basically, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a part where you like look around the board and you're like, ah, fuck, I can't do anything. <laughs> And yeah, so it's pretty apparent when you you get to that fail state. You just you just you're surrounded by guards, or you just don't have enough stealth power to actually do anything productive. Yeah, you'll know it right away when it happens. You just have to kind of go into it with that mindset of like, you can't win every round. But I've won many times. It's not impossible. It's not it's not too hard once you get a grip on the rules. I mean, I've I've beaten it the first level anyway. Probably I don't know ten fifteen times, no problem. So you can definitely get that feeling of satisfaction. Um, and it's a little bit of a, a little bit of, you got to beat it a couple times, unlock the next round and you go to the, like the next difficulty. I'm not quite there yet, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you can, you can see when you're about to die, but also you will not die every time. So it's, it's a good balance. That's good. This game actually sounds okay. I mean, what do you say? It's $2? Two bucks for two bucks. It's a good buy for sure. I would recommend anybody buy it for two bucks. Maybe, maybe just maybe I will check this out at some point. Does it have any kind of like if I bought it? Does it have like any kind of multiplayer esque function in it? Not at all. Oh, Not damn. even remotely. That's too nothing. Bad. That's okay. Anyway, so that's all I got for Card Thief. Um, I think uh, we're kind of getting close to the end of the show. Oh, oh, oh! For, let me say one more thing real quick before we bounce back to you. I just wanted, since we're talking about um, iOS and all that stuff, you may have seen this on uh, Twitter. But the other day I was looking at Puzzle Quest and it keeps an in-game counter of like how long you've been playing the game. And so I dipped into it and I realized it's different now. But uh, at the time that I tweeted, I've been playing Marvel Puzzle Quest like consecutively for 1,202 days in a row. So that's like that's well over three years. So that gives you a, a good idea of like how much I enjoy that game and how much it's been sucking up my phone time. I think uh, that's the most time I've ever spent with any game in my life. How much money have you put into that game? Oh, a lot. I mean, <laughs> not like crazy, like, you know, I racked up my credit card amounts, but I've yeah, I've put in more than a fair amount. I mean, I play it like literally like every day for, you know, a pretty good chunk every day. So I feel like it's paying for itself in terms of like, you know, we've all bought those 50 or $60 games where you buy it, you beat it in eight hours, you're done or whatever. Uh, but I've gotten, I mean... I, I I don't even know how many hours, but I mean, I've gotten more than a thousand days out of it. Uh, and that's that's well worth the money I put into it. So, I mean, a lot, but not like mad amounts or anything. I mean, I haven't gone into debt over it or anything. <laughs> Is that like whenever the the home inspector person comes to check out your house, they're like, all right, Brad, give me your phone. Let's see how much time you spent with Marvel Puzzle Quest because they don't want My you. My phone? What phone? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just have a landline. That's all I have. <laughs> anyway, enough of that bullshit. I just, I just kind of, it kind of was, took me by surprise that it had been that many days. Uh, but I guess, I guess time does pass when you're not paying attention to it. So 
It's true. Anyway, anyway, uh, what do you got, Corey? You got a couple things left, don't you? Uh, I do. The first thing is um, I talked about buying the PlayStation 4 Pro or that Patrick had bought one a few weeks ago, and you said you wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, I don't really know what to say about it. Is there anything like specific that you want to know about it? The only thing, I mean, I guess two things. Number one, at any point, have you gone, um, oh, my God, this is like so amazing. This was so worth buying the new box. And number two, I have heard some people say that there are some weird settings. Like you have to kind of pick like what what mode you want it to display in or something. Like I've heard a couple of people say they were kind of put off by it was not just putting your game in play. Like you had to kind of monkey with it a little bit. So A, have you been blown away? B, how has the usability been? Um, I Well, the blown away question I'm going to have a hard time answering because I feel like with the combination of the PlayStation Pro and the new TV that I got, I mean, it's not like blown away like if i put my old playstation 4 up to the new tv i'm sure it would look pretty good but um i mean i haven't played anything yet that's been like since having it that's been like so graphically intense that i've just been floored i mean i've only revisited old games but if i had it and we're playing it on my old tv i probably wouldn't be able to notice a difference in graphical fidelity i'm not positive about that because my old tv was not 4k but i mean i feel like one of the big things behind getting a playstation 4 pro or even a um an xbox what is it the the one s or whatever the new one um is having a 4k tv because they kind of go hand in hand for the for the graphical fidelity so i mean they kind of went together well but so far i haven't like i don't know i haven't been like totally totally floored about the graphics or anything yet but that of course is subject to change with future games Okay, cool. Now, what about the usability? Have you had to dick around with, like, different modes? Like, you have to, like, play with settings or something? Because I remember somebody very specifically saying they were kind of irritated at that. Have you found that to be true? Well, there was the last patch or the software update that released for the PlayStation 4 Pro enabled a setting called Boost Mode. And I can't really comment a lot on it because I didn't play it before Boost Mode. So, allegedly, Boost Mode, if you go into settings, you, you have to go in and turn it on yourself. It doesn't, like, default on that that's the thing where like I guess it kind of like optimizes every game you play on the PlayStation 4 for like faster load times and higher uh, frame rates and stuff and this is totally not dependent on what kind of TV you have so like my 4K TV it doesn't matter at all so I enabled boost mode uh, but I don't really I, I also did not set up the console initially because Patrick had already been using it for a couple weeks whenever I played it so when I turned it on I just imported my PSN profile to it, made it my primary console, and then that was it. I don't think I had to do any, like, fancy-schmancy settings or anything, um, like, per game. Okay, so maybe he had already gone through all the pain parts before you had gotten to it then. Yeah, he might have done that, but he also didn't outright complain to me about anything. So it was either not that big of a deal, or it was only, like, minorly annoying so that he didn't even feel like complaining to me. So I can't really, I don't know if I can speak to that super accurately. Okay. Fair enough. That's all I wanted to know. Well, I have heard, um, that whenever we first had it, whenever I moved to new Orleans, we were living out of a hotel for like four days and we had it plugged into the TV in the hotel room. And one thing that kind of concerns me about the PlayStation four pro is the fact that, uh, I guess there's a problem with them where sometimes they just like turn themselves off. Have you heard about this at all? I have heard about that. And I have heard about some spinning discs out for no reason. And I have heard some people say that there has been some problems with those. I, that it's maybe not as, um, dialed in as far as production as Sony would like to think. Um, 
Have you have you had that happen? Any of those things? Uh, yeah, in the hotel room, it turned itself off a couple of times, which was kind of concerning to me. But since moving into the house, it has not done that yet. But um, of course, that's always subject to change. But um, the disc spitting out thing was actually a big problem that I had on my old PlayStation. We've talked about this before, where like the button, because it's not a, a physical button, it gets so hot that sometimes the PlayStation will think the button's being pressed and then the disc will come out. I have not had that problem on the pro so far, but the pro also has physical buttons that you have to press down pretty hard in order to turn it on or to eject the disc. So hopefully that will never be a problem, but I will definitely keep you posted if it ever does become a problem. Right on, right on. Sounds good. Well, uh, I am not in the market for a pro anytime soon, but I am kind of just keeping an eye on it. I don't, uh, I'm not super on fire about you know 4k and hdr and all this stuff i mean i think what i have right now i'm pretty satisfied with it so i'm not really itching to do that and i probably would get a switch before i would get a pro but uh keep me posted on the further adventures i will definitely do that um and i have one more thing i want to talk about uh before we wrap the show up um i was uh perusing this is probably gonna uh, make you fall out of your chair brad but i was perusing the xbox one marketplace the other day the what? <laughs> I, had, I don't even. You said you said something. I was like, what? I I, uh, I turned on my Xbox One for the first time in a while the other day because I wanted to see what a couple of games looked like on the new look like on the new TV. So I played a little bit of Inside and I played a little bit of Super Hot. And every time I turn the Xbox on, the Xbox One on, I always just uh, tab over to the marketplace and just see what's going on. Because sometimes, like sometimes, like I checked the PlayStation Four. Uh, network pretty often at least like once a week to see what sales are going on and what new games are out but for some reason um you know sometimes there are xbox exclusive games and sometimes games just show up better like and like the new releases on xbox or whatever and i don't ever see them on the playstation 4 unless i like go digging for them that's kind of beside the point i, I opened the xbox marketplace and their uh xbox has been having this big uh their id at xbox i think it's how you pronounce it it's their independent development like thing like channel at microsoft they've been having like weekly sales and i was looking at the marketplace the other day and i saw a game that i had never ever heard of it's a game called fragments of him have you heard of this game brad i think i have heard of it but i don't know a lot about it but i i think i have heard of it well i tabbed onto it because the the cover i can't even remember what the cover art was like but it looked interesting so i clicked on it and it was only five dollars it's a ten dollar game it's on sale for five dollars so i thought okay it's five bucks let me just take a look at this and see what it looks like and uh it is a game before i jump into what the game is about i have like a tiny rant to go on um before we started recording i was looking up stuff for this game to try to get the factual information about it correct because i didn't want to say anything wrong And, you know, Brad, I'm sure you've had this problem before, but maybe listeners who don't, like, write about games don't have this problem or are kind of uh, not that aware of it. But, Brad, do you ever have the problem where you're, like, writing a review or writing about a game, and you go to look for the most simple factual information about the game, such as the publisher, the developer, the release date, and it you cannot fucking find it to save your life? Yeah, that does happen sometimes. Usually for me, it's, like, the ESRB rating. Like, sometimes I'll go to the ESRB's website, and for whatever reason, the game I'm looking for is, like, not on their website, even though I damn well know that it has an ESRB rating. But that's the thing that gets me the most. But, yeah, I have had that experience as well. Yeah, I have, like, I play a lot of indie games for review at Game Critics, and, I mean, I love indie games because I love to play things that I've never heard of that surprise me, just like Kona. I had no idea what it was, and I love that game now. Um, But I was looking up stuff for Fragments of Him, and I went to... 
I know Wikipedia is like not the place you should go for information because a lot of it can be wrong because it's crowdsourced, but that's usually the first thing that comes up when you search for anything is like the Wikipedia page. So I go to it because I saw the game on Xbox and I did not recall seeing it on um, on PlayStation 4 ever. And it, because it was the, the ID at Xbox, I thought that it was funded through Microsoft. So I was like, okay, it must be a, an Xbox One exclusive. So I go to the Wikipedia page and they say that it came out on May 3rd and P- on PC and June 1st on Xbox One. So this game is actually like pretty old. It's almost a year old. And, um, and that it came out on December 31st, uh, 2016 for PS4. And I was like, well, that's weird because I haven't seen it on PS4. So I go to the game developer's own website for the game. The developers are called SassyBot, which I think is the best development name ever. Um, and I go to their website for the game and they have a press kit and press kit tabs are the best tabs in the world forever because they give you all the shit you need to know about any game. But you know what's not great is whenever they don't fucking update their own press kits for their own games. I click on the press kit for the game from the developer's own website and it said that the Xbox One game was coming soon, that PS4 was coming soon. And I was like, oh, geez. Yeah, I was like, can you not like it? I mean, I know that the development team, I literally think the development team is like three people. So I'm sure it's hard to keep up with because they're probably busy, you know, actually making the game. But I feel like, you know, could Microsoft not supply like one person or, or, you know, to just like keep their shit up to date? So I have these like different things. And then I go to a blog post that they're writing, that they've written recently. And the blog post is like, oh, we're so sorry about the PlayStation 4 edition. It's going to be coming in early 2017. We're, you know, trying to get it uh, certified and get it up to, to par so we can put it through the, you know, through Sony so that they can, you know, get it published and everything. And, like, they have time to write that blog post out, but not enough time to go up to their press kit and just update the game release dates. Like, sometimes I just want to pull my hair out whenever it comes to getting the most simple, stupid, factual information about games. Because sometimes it's really hard to find, and it really annoys me. Well, you know, it's probably a really small team. And the thing that comes up with indies who um, are small teams is that, you know, everybody's wearing different hats, and they usually don't have a lot of experience doing PR in fact, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest places where indie games fall down is they just don't do a very good job of doing PR. They don't know how to reach out. They don't know the bases they should cover. And I think that doing like one of these things is probably one of the, the very most basic square one things. I mean, you got to have that info up to date. I mean, if your game is out, you got to have that info up there. It looks really bad otherwise. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Uh, but yeah, too bad. And hopefully they'll just get that updated because it looks really cheesy if you don't. Yeah, it does. I mean, considering the Xbox One version has been out since June and they still say that it's coming soon on their website. <laughs> but beside yeah. this, beside all the point, I just want to talk about this game real quick because um, I have not played it yet, but I actually am planning to start it tonight if I have time later because it looks really interesting. It is a game about... It looks like a first-person narrative adventure game, a.k.a. walking simulator. Like, those are... I've been, like, super into walking simulators for the past few years. Like, anytime I see one, if it even looks remotely interesting and it's kind of cheap, I usually buy it no matter what. So this one, it's called Fragments of Him. It is a game about... It's. It takes place... Um, there's four main characters, and I guess one of them uh, has died or something. Uh, well, not or something. He has died. And the game kind of takes you through him and three other characters that know him and sort of, like, uh, talk about, like, the time they spent with him and the, like, it's kind of like a game about, like, remembering him and about celebrating his life and that kind of stuff. So it sounds like it might be really sad, which is also totally up my alley. 
And but the thing that really reeled me in was um, in the trailer, the first person it shows is the grandma, and it's like a frame of her like reading to him when he's like a little kid in bed. And then the next frame is his uh, his ex. And it shows a picture of him like holding a woman's hand in a bar, and there's like, you know, kind of like some loud music going on around them. And then the next frame says his partner, and it's a man sitting on the ground talking about like, what am I supposed to do? How am I going to go on? Like, you know, I miss him so much. And oh, that's right. Now I remember. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So I'm with you. I'm that, with you. Yeah, that like reeled me in immediately because if any game sort of like explores the nuances of like the LGBT community, I pretty much like it's like hook, line, and sinker. And I think that this game <clears throat> might actually, instead of the, the punchline of the game being he's gay or he's bisexual like that that is not a good way for a game to like resolve itself this game actually already establishes the fact that he is bisexual and then it explores the relationships that he's had with other people through that which i think is a far better way to go about sort of exploring like as a gay person exploring like an lgbt sort of holy uh, shit what wait a minute are are you gay (laughs) 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 oh my god what (laughs) (laughs) jesus this is like 24 episodes dude why'd you say something (laughs) i don't even know what to say (laughs) (laughs) sorry i couldn't resist (laughs) yeah um so i guess we can just call this the coming out show then um uh, oh yeah, you should, you should title it that, dude. Oh, that would God. be a good title for the episode. Well, <laughs> Cor- the, Corey's coming out show. <laughs> there, there are some games that I have played in the past, and I'm not going to say the names of them or the name of the specific game. But I think anybody who has played it knows what I'm talking about. Will know what it is. There's a game I have played that is very, um, uh, very well regarded in the games industry, and basically the punchline of the entire game is this person is gay, and that's like the end of the game. And I think that for people who are not in the gay community or like well in tune with the gay community or the LGBTQ community, like that alone, those people think like, wow, that's great representation. Like what, what a great, like heartwarming way to be like inclusive and characterization for a game to end on. But for me, like that kind of thing just feels kind of like, like token kind of like, I appreciate it, but I would much rather explore a story where somebody is already established as, you know, like bisexual or queer or transgender or, you know, what have you, a minority, and then explore the relationships that that person has rather than making that quality be like the punchline of the game. So I'm like really, really excited to play this game. You know, it could be disappointing. Maybe it's not going to be that great, but, um, uh, it looks really well. It looks really good, and allegedly, it was nominated for best writing in a video game at the British Writers Guild Awards. So, I mean, if it's nominated for a best writing game somewhere, hopefully that says something good about the quality of writing in it. So, uh, I'm really, really, really excited to start this game, um, and hopefully, it does not disappoint. All right. Yes. Now that you've mentioned it, uh, and we got into that part, I might I do recall reading about this. Uh, so I have not played it obviously uh but yeah let me know i'm always up for something that explores uh, those boundaries anything with good writing i'm always down for so if it's uh if it's a good game in that sense i will check it out for sure well i will keep you posted i mean i'm sure next week i will be talking about it because that's like the major game that i have lined up to play over the next uh i guess probably a couple nights or so right on i have uh what i have lined up for next week i am going to play snake 
Pass? Is that what it's called? <laughs> snake Pass? Snake I don't, Pass? Yeah, I know. That sounds like... Yeah, okay. There's a couple jokes we can make about that. Is this an LGBTQ game, too? <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe you get to the end and they're like, oh my god, I didn't realize, but I guess it all makes sense now. No. Uh, snake Pass is a game from what I... I don't know a lot about it, but basically you play as a snake, but there's like a lot of physics involved, and so you kind of like have to, you know... Uh, I, Every every potential sentence I'm forming in my head has way too much like innuendo associated with it. And I'm trying to think of some way to to, to get this out. I, I, I can't. I can't say anything. Every single line I say is too loaded. So loaded. I'm just gonna we're gonna play Your this. Snake is loaded. Ah, uh, god damn it! Ah, uh, I can't. I can't get away from it. I will simply play this game and I will give a full and accurate report next week. I probably will play something else as well, but I don't know what that is. I'm still trying to winnow that down, but. I will have two things to talk about next week minimum. We will get there. Good deal. Good deal. Cool. Oh, Brad, you I think know what that's else it, I'm right? going to talk about next week, which oh. you're, I know you're yeah, going to yeah. be tired of hearing about and probably everybody's going to be tired of hearing about. What's that? On Thursday night, I have already bought my advance tickets for Ghost in the Shell and IMAX 3D. Oh, yeah. <laughs> reviews are great for that, or so I hear. They are, wink, wink. There are no reviews for it yet, which obviously means it's going to be amazing or that it's going to be absolutely terrible. I know which one I'm betting on. But I it does not have to be the best movie I've ever seen in my life. It just has to be good enough, and that will be enough for me. So I will probably... We can move on to uh, regular movie banter next week again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, I do. I have some good movies to talk about next week. I'm going to write that down real quick. Yeah, I watched So Bizarre. I just Okay, side note real quick. Um, I, I, I mentioned it a few times, but I'm working this gig right now where I got to get up for work at fucking five o'clock in the morning and it's killing me because I am a night owl. I've been a night owl my entire life. I am a night owl. I only feel human after the sun goes down. And for me to get up at fucking five o'clock, it's like it's soul crushing and it kills me and I hate it and I'm tired all the time and it sucks. But I got to put food on the table for my family, so I'm doing it. Anyway, um, I this weekend, I had uh, the night to myself and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to stay up tonight. I don't have to be at work the next day. I'm going to stay up all fucking night long. I'm just going to like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to be awake. And just being awake after the sun goes down is going to be enough for me. And that's, I'm just going to enjoy it. So I stayed up really late, um, went to bed at like three o'clock in the morning. And considering I usually get up at five, that kind of like totally reset my, my sleep clock, you know? But I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm up and I'm, I'm just... I'm just sitting on the couch and I'm watching movies. And I used uh, that evening to watch like a bunch of movies in a row, which is something that I like, never do anymore. I haven't done that for so long. It's been like years since I've watched more than one movie in a row. And I know that probably sounds really sad to some of our listeners, but Hey, you know, let me tell you what, when you got a family to provide for, when you got kids, when you were at the beck and call of your employer, when you have responsibilities, you cannot do that as much as you used to. And for me, that just is not a thing anymore, but it was, this past weekend, and I watched two movies back to back, and it was fucking great. I loved it. I felt like my old self again. I was back to being a night owl, and it was great. And then today was Monday, and I was tired as fuck when I woke up, and I was, <laughs> I was destroyed. I paid for it very much, but you know what? It was fun while it lasted. I will talk about those movies next week. Oh, I was just about to ask you if you were going to make us wait to tell what you watched um, until next dun, week. Dun dun dun! Oh, cliffhanger! Cliffhanger! Sad day. All right, let's wrap it up, bro. I got to go. All right, all right, all right. Um, yeah, I think that's everything we had to talk about. Um, if, uh, as always, for uh, end of the show closing notes, um, 
we are going to sign off soon. But if you have uh, any listeners have anything you would like to say, comments, uh, thoughts, feedback, ideas, suggestions, um, any topics you want us to discuss, anything like that, uh, we are on the internet in several places. Uh, the first of which is at so video games podcast at gmail.com. That is our uh, official email for the show. We are also on Twitter at so video games. And believe it or not, Brad and I also have our own individual Twitter handles. Uh, Brad, would you like to give yours out? You can reach me at Brad Galloway. And my last name is all A's, no O's. Do you have an O in your first name? I will not say. Okay. No, I, I will not incriminate myself. I will not say. <laughs> it's not you don't know. I'm going to leave you guessing. Broad Galloway? Hey, it might be the Nordic version. You never know. <laughs> well, I've got an umlaut. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, my Twitter handle is uh, Corey Motley. It might be hard to believe. It's my first and last name. It is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. It is not fucking Montley. Everybody thinks my last name is M-O-N-T-L-E-Y. It is Motley, like the crew, like the rock band, Corey Motley. So that is my Twitter handle. Less hair, less chicks. Uh, uh, yes, both of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this motherfucker up. Let's get out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will uh, we'll see you guys the next time we record. Try to get back to your regular schedule next Sunday. And signing off, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad, and we will see you next time. Bye, y'all.